0: Story five of Romance of California Life by John Haberton. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Story five The Last Pike at Jagger's Bend. Where they came from, no one knew. Among the farmers near the bend, there was ample ability to conduct researches beset by far more difficulties than was that of the origin of the pikes but a charge of buckshot which a good-natured yankee received one evening soon after putting questions to a venerable pike exerted a depressing influence upon the spirit of investigation they were not bloodthirsty these pikes but they had good reason to suspect all inquirers of being at least deputy sheriffs if not worse and a pike's hatred of officers of the law is equalled in intensity only by his hatred for manual labour but while there was doubt as to the fatherland of the little colony of pikes at Jager's bend there every neighbor would willingly make affidavit as to the cause of their locating and remaining at the bend when humanitarians and optimists argued that it was because the water was good and convenient that the bend itself caught enough driftwood for fuel and that the dirt would yield a little gold when manipulated by placer and pan all farmers and stock-owners would freely admit the validity of these reasons but the admission was made with a countenance whose indignation and sorrow indicated that the greater causes were yet unnamed with eyes speaking emotions which words could not express they would point to sections of wheat-fields minus the grain-bearing heads to hides and hoofs of cattle unslaughtered by themselves to mothers of promising calves whose tender bleeding answered not the maternal call to the places which had once known fine horses but had been untenanted since certain pikes had gone across the mountains for game they would accuse no man wrongfully but in a country where all farmers had wheat and cattle and horses and where prowling indians and mexicans were not how could these disappearances occur but to people owning no property in the neighborhood to tourists and artists the pike settlement at the bend was as interesting and ugly as a sky terrier the architecture of the village was of original style and no duplicate existed of the half-dozen residences one was composed exclusively of sod another of bark yet another of poles roofed with a wagon cover and plastered on the outside with mud the fourth was of slabs, nicely split from logs which had drifted into the bend. The fifth was of hide stretched over a frame strictly Gothic from foundation to ridgepole, while the sixth, burrowed into the hillside, displayed only the barrel which formed its chimney. A more aristocratic community did not exist on the Pacific coast. Visit the pikes when you would, you could never see anyone working. Of churches, schoolhouses, stores, and other plebeian institutions, there were none, and no pike demeaned himself by entering trade or soiled his hands by agriculture. Yet unto this peaceful, contented neighborhood there found his way a visitor who had been everywhere in the world without once being made welcome. He came to the house built of slabs, and threatened the wife of Sam Trotwine, owner of the house, and Sam, after sunning himself uneasily for a day or two, mounted a pony and rode off for a doctor to drive the intruder away. When he returned, he found all the men in the camp seated on a log in front of his own door, and then he knew he must prepare for the worst, only one of the great influences of the world could force every pike from his own door at exactly the same time there they sat yellow-faced bearded long-backed and bent each looking like the other find all like sam and as he dismounted they all looked at him how is she said sam tying his horse and the doctor's while the latter went in well said the oldest man with deliberation THE WOMEN'S ALL LAR, IF THAT'S ANY SIGN. EACH MAN ON THE LOG INCLINED HIS HEAD SLIGHTLY, BUT POSITIVELY TO THE LEFT, THUS MANIFESTING BELIEF THAT SAM HAD BEEN CORRECTLY AND SUFFICIENTLY ANSWERED. SAM HIMSELF SEEMED TO REGARD HIS INFORMATION IN ABOUT THE SAME MANNER. SUDDENLY THE RAW HIDE WHICH FORMED THE DOOR OF SAM'S HOUSE WAS PUSHED ASIDE, AND A WOMAN CAME OUT AND CALLED SAM, AND HE DISAPPEARED FROM HIS LOG as he entered his hut all the women lifted sorrowful faces and retired no one even lingered for the pike has not the common human interest in other people's business he lacks that as well as certain similar virtues of civilization sam dropped by the bedside and was human his heart was in the right place, and though heavily entrenched by years of laziness and whiskey and tobacco, it could be brought to the front, and it came now. The dying woman cast her eyes appealingly at the surgeon, and that worthy stepped outside the door. Then the yellow-faced woman said, Sam, doctor says I ain't got much time left. Mary, said Sam, I wish to God I could die fer you, the children. "'It's them I want to talk about, Sam,' replied his wife, "'and I wish they could die with me, rather than have em live as I've had to, "'not that you ain't been a kind husband to me, for you have. "'Whenever I wanted meat, you got it somehow, "'and when you've been ugly drunk, you kept away from the house. "'But I'm dying, Sam, and it's because you've killed me.' "'Good God, Mary!' cried the astonished Sam, jumping up. "'You're crazy. Here, doctor!' Doctor can't do no good, Sam. Keep still and listen. ev yer love me like you once said you did, for I haven't got much breath left. Gasped the woman, Mary said the aggrieved Sam, I swore to God I dunno what you're drivin at. It's jest this, Sam replied the woman. you took me, tellin me you'd love me and honor me and protect me. You mean to say now you done it. I'm a dyin, Sam. I ain't got no favors to ask of nobody, and I'm tellin the truth, not knowin what word'll be my last. Then tell a feller where the killin came in, Mary, for heaven's sake, said the unhappy Sam. It's come in all along, Sam, said the woman. There is women in the state so I've heerd, that married for a home, and bread, and butter. But you promised more'n that, Sam, and I've waited. On it ain't come and there's something in me that's all starved and cut to pieces and it's your fault sam i took you for better or for worse and i've never grumbled i know you ain't mary whispered the conscience-stricken pike and i know what you mean if god'll only let you be for a few years i'll see if the thing can't be helped don't cuss me mary i've never knowed how i've been a goin'. i wish there was something i could do for you go to pay yer all i owe yer i'd go back on everything that makes life worth having pay it to the children sam said the sick woman raising herself in her miserable bed i'll forgive your everything if you'll do the right thing for them do do everything said the woman throwing up her arms and falling backward her husband's arm caught her his lips brought to her wan face a smile which the grim visitor who an instant later stole her breath pityingly left in full possession of the rightful inheritance from which it had been so long excluded sam knelt for a moment with his face beside his wife What he said or did, the Lord only knew, but the doctor, who was of a speculative mind, afterwards said that when Sam appeared at the door, he showed the first pike face in which he had ever seen any signs of a soul. Sam went to the sod house where lived the oldest woman in the camp and briefly announced the end of his wife. Then, after some consultation with the old woman, Sam rode to town on one of his horses, leading another he came back with but one horse and a large bundle and soon the women were making for mrs trotwine her last earthly robe and the first new one she had worn for years the next day a wagon brought a coffin and a minister and the whole camp silently and respectfully followed mrs trotwine to a home with which she could find no fault For three days all the male pikes in the camp sat on the log in front of Sam's door, and expressed their sympathy, as did the three friends of Job, that is, they held their peace. But on the fourth their tongues were unloosed. As a conversationalist, the pike is not a success, but Sam's actions were so unusual and utterly unheard of, that it seemed as if even the stones must have wondered and communed among themselves. I never heerd o such a thing, said brown buck. He's gone and bought new clothes for each of the four young uns. Yes, said the patriarch of the camp, and this mornin when I went down to the bank to soak my head, cause last night's liquor didn't agree with it, I seed Sam with all his young uns as they was a washin their faces and hands with soap. They'll catch their death and be on the hill with their mother for long if he don't look out. Somebody ought to reason with him. Won't do no good," sighed limping Jim. He's lost his head, and reason just goes into one ear and out t'other. When he was scrapin' round the front door t'other day, and I asked him what he was a layin' the ground all bare and desolate for, he said he was done keepin' pig pen. Now everybody but him knows he never had a pig. His head's gone. Just mark my words. On the morning of the fourth day, Sam's friends had just secured a full attendance on the log, and were at work upon their first pipes, when they were startled by seeing Sam harness his horse in the wagon and put all his children into it. War you bound for, Sam?' asked the patriarch. Sam blushed as near as a pike could, but answered with only a little hesitation. "'Gonna take him to school to Maxfield. "'Gonna do it every day.' The incumbent of the log was too nearly paralyzed to remonstrate, but after a few moments of silence, the patriarch remarked in tones of feeling yet decision, "He's at a tough time of it, but he's no business to ruin the settlement. I'm an old man myself, and I need peace of mind so I'm goin to pack up my traps and mosey when the folks at Maxfield knows what he's doin they'll make him a constable or a justice." "'and I'm too much of a man to live nigh any sich, And next day the patriarch wheeled his family and property to parts unknown. A few days later, Jim Merrick, a brisk farmer a few miles from the bend, stood in front of his own house and shaded his eyes in solemn wonder. It couldn't be. He'd never heard of such a thing before. Yet it was. There was no doubt of it. There was a pike riding right towards him in open daylight.' he could swear that pike had often visited him that is his wheat-field and corral after dark but a daylight visit from a pike was as unusual as a social call of a samaritan upon a jew and when sam for it was he approached merrick and made his business known the farmer was more astonished and confused than he had ever been in his life before sam wanted to know for how much money merrick would plow and plant a hundred and sixty acres of wheat for him and whether he would take sam's horse a fine animal brought from the states and for which sam could show a bill of sale as security for the amount until he could harvest and sell his crop merrick so well understood the pike nature that he made a very liberal offer and afterwards said he would have paid handsomely for the chance a few days later and the remaining pikes at the bend experienced the greatest scare that had ever visited their souls a brisk man came into the bend with a tripod on his shoulder and a wire chain and some wire pens, and a queer machine under his arm and before dark the pikes understood that sam had deliberately constituted himself a renegade by entering a quarter section of land next morning two more residences were empty and the remaining fathers of the hamlet adorned not sam's log but wandered about with faces vacant of all expression save the agony of the patriot who sees his home invaded by corrupting influences too powerful for him to resist then Merrick sent up a gang plow and eight horses, and the tender green of Sam's quarter-section was rapidly changed to a dull brown color, which is odious unto the eye of the pike. Day by day the brown spot grew larger, and one morning Sam arose to find all his neighbors departed, having wreaked their vengeance upon him by taking away his dogs, and in his delight at their disappearance Sam freely forgave them all regularly the children were carried to and from school and even to sunday school regularly every evening sam visited the grave on the hillside and came back to lie by the hour looking at the sleeping darlings little by little farmers began to realize that their property was undisturbed little by little sam's wheat grew and waxed golden and then there came a day when a man from frisco came and changed it into a heavier gold more gold than sam had ever seen before and the farmers began to stop in to see Sam, and their children came to see his, and kind women were unusually kind to the orphans, and as day by day Sam took his solitary walk on the hillside, the load on his heart grew lighter, until he ceased to fear the day when he too would lie there. End of story five